Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Patriots Beat is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Welcome back into another live edition of the Patriots Beat podcast. I am Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by 98.5 The Sports Hub's Alex Barth. And the Patriots were back at Gillette Stadium today for their final OTA practice of the offseason. But before we break that down, we have some big Patriots news. If anyone missed it, if you were living under a rock or, you know, away early for the weekend, it's official. DeAndre Hopkins is visiting with the Patriots next week, part of his free agency tour here. So, Alex, what's your pitch? How do you start when he comes in next week? I am a big, fat contract. I put it on the table. No, I – so – I don't even want to say the good and the bad of the visit. I want to say this is great, but – this is great, but, and here's why they got to visit with him. That's big. That means he's at least willing to meet with them, which means there's a chance he'll sign with them. It means that yes, he probably is at least to a necessary extent over the bill O'Brien stuff. We know all of that, what their strategy needs to be. And I'm not the first one who said this. Do not let him leave the building without a contract. And if that means you have to overpay a little bit, you have to overpay a little bit. You're not really spending any money, any big money for the rest of the the season. You're going to be able to probably trade or release Devontae Parker. So that opens up just over $6 million in salary cap space. If you have to overpay, you have to overpay a little bit. I'll get into the contract in a second. So that's all well and good. You're going to get him in the building. Only you can talk to him and you can basically go meet his price and make sure he doesn't leave and visit anywhere else. The one problem is... And I, I, we might be on the same page here. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> the Tennessee Titans are going to have a chance to do that before the Patriots do. Mm-hmm. The report was originally Sunday. Mike Vrabel said late this week, early next week. So we don't know. But the Rappaport report this morning said whenever the timeline is, and we don't know the date of the Patriots meeting either other than next week, the Titans meeting will happen first. So the Titans can do that before the Patriots can. Here's where I'm at with the Titans. First of all, the Patriots have more than double the cap space they do, according to overthecap.com. So if Hopkins wants money, like you're not getting this done for cheap. Maybe the Titans, like maybe they can meet Hopkins' number to the point where he says, I'll get back to you. Are they going to be able to meet the number where he's not going to take any other visits? The other thing is, I still don't really understand why the Titans want DeAndre Hopkins. They should be trying to lose games. They're in a rebuild. And maybe Mike Vrabel doesn't, subscribe to that school of thought. And I I actually don't expect him to, but 
I, like, how aggressive are they really going to be? Whereas the Patriots desperately need this guy. So, and the other thing is the Patriots, if they're going about this the right way, can get, obviously they've talked to his team if they're setting up a visit. Maybe that, maybe there's already a starting number in place that they can essentially poison pill the Titans. And, you know, I think the Titans, according to over the cap, have like 8.2 million. Patriots could funky with it and say, whatever the contract is we're offering, $10 million cap hit the first year. That's what that's going to have. Match that, Titans. And the Titans can't because they've done all the maneuvering to their roster they're going to do. They did that all back uh, right before free agency. They can't open up that much more space. The contract, er, why, why don't you talk about the visit? Sorry, I'm taking over. You talk about the visit, well, and then I'll give what I think the contract should be. I agree with a lot of that, right? It's kind of like a, in a way, a restricted free agent contract, right? Where you can finagle it so a team like Tennessee literally can't offer right. what you're offering. And I, you know, t- Tennessee seems like a weird fit. Mike Vrabel does seem like that type of guy who never is going to throw in the towel and say we're rebuilding, but always want to go for it. But the, I mean, the three things DeAndre Hopkins said in the, I am athlete podcasts, which what was that like two or three weeks ago? Two weeks ago. So yeah. most importantly, that was more recently than he gave that list of quarterbacks that he wants to play for. And it was more recently than the thing about, you know, Mahomes or whatever it was. The face, so this, face video where he's smiling. The face video. That's what it was. Yes. It's more recently than the face video. So people say, oh, he made a face at the Patriots. Oh, well, Mac Jones wasn't on his list. What did he say the most recently? And it's three it's things where. Great management, a QB who loves the game, and a great defense. And if you want to kind of break those down, Patriots from management perspective, from the top to bottom, right? Robert Kraft's as solid as they come. Bill Belichick, if you want to say maybe he's retiring in the short term, right? Kind of year to year, but he kind of seems like he's on that same – window almost as deandre hopkins is so the management to me would be a check yeah it's going to come down to perspective and Mm -hmm. if you dig further into that quote and i retweeted this this morning you can check it out on my timeline at real alex barth on twitter he he talks about having four gms in four years and he said you know he's had to deal with that he doesn't want to deal with that so the question becomes you know when he says stability even if Bill retires, it seems like the Patriots have a plan in place. There's not going to be like this massive organizational overhaul because the GMs he's had have all gotten fired <laughs> and, you know, leave on their own accord. So, or maybe he says to Bill, Hey, look, I'm not signing here to play for Gerard Mayo. I'm not signing here to play for Steve. I'm signing here to play for you. Can you tell me you're going to be here through the duration of the contract that so now he said he trusts Belichick. Like we, he said, he loves Belichick. We saw it in that video, right? That the mic'd up. This to me is the most, like the most hairy one of his three checkpoints. Yeah. But if it's the Patriots are stable, the way he describes it brings it into question. But I think ultimately what it comes down to is Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft's not going anywhere. Robert Kraft isn't changing course of the organization in the next two or three years. Frankly, if he does, Hopkins is going to, it means Hopkins is cooked. If they're bad enough that Kraft has to go in a completely different direction, Hopkins is cooked anyway. He's probably going to retire because they're not going to be that bad if they land DeAndre Hopkins. So it basically comes down to, 
he might not have the same GM the whole time, but does he trust that? Does he trust whatever the plan is, right? We know there's some sort of plan. Gerard Mayo didn't come back here for nothing. Yeah. Do they let him in on whatever that plan is behind the scenes? And does he trust it? I think they would mm-hmm. and that he would. And that's why to me, it's, it's still a check. Yeah. And then, so the next quarterback who loves the game, he said, I don't need a great QB. I've done it with subpar Q quarterbacks, just a quarterback who loves the game. Like I do and say what you want about Mac Jones is play on the field, but it's pretty clear. Mac Jones loves football, whether it's, you know, all of his teammates talking about his work ethic, his leadership, just watching him today, 20 minutes after practice, throwing in the pouring rain. It's clear he loves football. It kind of brought me back to what, now, I forget if it, if Juju said it about Mac or Mac said it about Juju. Mac said it about Juju. It took. Did you listen to Catch Twenty Two today? I did not. Okay, because you're going verbatim the conversation. Me and I <laughs> um, stole my take. Mac said football in there, right? They're all football. Yeah. In there. So quarterback who loves the game, Mac, I think is an easy check there. I mean, I think it's hard not to hear Hopkins say that. And that was the first thing that came to my mind, too. When he says, I want a quarterback that loves the game and pushes everybody to be better, that's Mac Jones. I I also, you know, it's hard. And I talked about this. Remember when Mac made that comment at the beginning of camp? He said it's normal and it's hard not to be comparative. Mm -hmm. Well, Hopkins is already being comparative in these answers because he mentions that, you know, he wants stability because he hasn't had, he's had a different GM every four years. All right. So where's the comparative of this one? Well, Kyler, we we know his whole thing, right? He couldn't stop playing Call of Duty long enough to watch game tape. That does not seem like Mac Jones at all. No. You remember a couple of years ago, we at you were I don't think you were on the beat yet. I think it was his rookie year. We asked Mac Jones what he was going to do um, for his bye week. No, it's Thanksgiving. What he's going to do for Thanksgiving? He said, "Well, yeah, I'll have the meal and then you know watch film. There's a game." And we were like, "But are you going to go play catch in the backyard? Are you going to watch the games that are on that day?" No, I'm just gonna watch film that's what i like to do with my time off like i think that's what show hopkins that clip that should be a part of the pitch show him that clip because that checks that box emphatically it's like him having his uh girlfriend walk routes for him in the back yes that was another one yeah (laughs) and then uh, the last part of that you know three item checklist was a great defense which is if it's not mac Loving the game is the easiest check. A great defense. The Patriots should have a very good defense this year. And then he he says within that he wants a strong defensive line, which I personally just found very interesting because what's the wide receiver like from playing with JJ Watt or well, it just Tyler Murray general, like, running around? <laughs> what does a wide receiver care about the defensive line? Like it's one thing he says like with a great secondary. It's like okay, he knows he's wide receiver. He's facing these guys. He knows what a great secondary can do, but. You know, it's it's almost like he's looking at two teams and the money's the same and all things are the same. But, you know, team A is great pass rush. Team B is great corners. But I want to go to team, like it's weird to hear a player talk philosophical football like that. It'd be Matthew Judon talking about what he looks for in an ideal wide receiver. So I don't know that it means anything. The Patriots have a great defensive line. They have a great defense. But it was just interesting to hear him get into that kind of depth about it for me personally. Okay, we want to tell you a little bit about FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook and the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now, new customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. What do I like about FanDuel? Let me tell you. The app is incredible, super easy to use, very intuitive. It's safe, secure, and you get paid 
instantly when you win. There is no better place to bet all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. So go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Once again, visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is FanDuel dot com slash boston fanduel the official sports betting partner of the nba now you must be 21 or older and present in massachusetts to participate a ten dollar initial deposit is required your first online bet must be a real money wager the bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets when you get a refund on your one thousand dollar no sweat first bet Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Hope is here. Go to gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. Go to gamesensema.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. Yeah, I, I didn't see the defensive line part, but that is an interesting kind of dynamic. He kind of threw it in at the I'm end. Not. Maybe I'm looking at it too much, but I thought it was interesting. Interesting. Yeah. So what do you kind of, I see some contract projections in the chat. I'm right. Like two years, maybe if you have to do the third year, but most of the guaranteed money falls in the first two years, that's kind of where I'm at. Where are you thinking for, where are you at for contract projections? So this is, I wouldn't necessarily start with this, but I think if you get to the point where it's the deal to, to get them and not have them leave the building and all that, Three years, forty million, all of the guaranteed monies in the first two years. So this is what right it gets reported as three years, forty million. Big number, it, right? And that's what then his agent can go and be like, "We got this guy who's thirty-one. People where he's washed a three-year deal." And then in reality, you're looking at like two years, twenty-eight million, where twenty of that, eighteen to twenty of that, is guaranteed in the first year. And you finagle that, or you, you finagle the cap around it. You work the signing bonus into that. That that's what I would do. That's what I I think that the three years he's you're going to catch his attention with that. Forty million makes it sound like it's in the neighborhood of the Beckham contract. In reality, it's like two for fourteen a year, which I think is a very very reasonable contract. And then look, if he's great, you have him for that third year at value. And if not, you there. Basically, because I, I already see it in the chat, you know, when I say three over 40, a two-year deal with essentially a team option for the third yeah. year. It's not technically a team option, but it it functions like a team option. You don't have to do void years, which is big, and they don't want to do void years. They've pretty much stopped doing that. Um, that's it's really been McCordy, right? They kind of stopped with McCordy. McCordy was the last, well, I guess it technically still is on the books. McCordy's yeah. the last deal on the books they have with void years. But yeah, that's... Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily start there. I might start at like, you know, 225, 230. But I think three uh, three, uh, three years, 40 million with a team out after two years, 28 million guaranteed. I think that stops him from going to meet with other teams. Patriots can afford it. And it's not, it, it's not like a massively expensive contract for a guy that if he puts up numbers like he put up last year, it... $18 million a year or, or $14 million a year. Sorry, is the number I had $14 million a year. That contract's going to be a steal. What'd they give Aguilar? They gave Aguilar like, was it 12 and a half? The big number was like 24 over two. What did, what did his AAV end up being? Um, 
I think, yeah, I think it was 12. Hang on, I'm going to find it. If you can give Nelson Aguilar 12 <laughs> in, in 2021, so coming out of the COVID cap, so his deal straight up, like the reported, was 13 a year. Okay. If you can give Nelson Aguilar 13 a year, you can give Hopkins 14 a year. I don't think and that's they, unrealistic. And they have right now projected a lot of cap room next year and you know down the line because they don't have a lot of these guys sign long term their draft picks recently. Yeah. So they have the cap space. They do kind of have to get in that, you know, you don't want to be bidding against yourself, but you want to be a good offer where as you said, you don't want to let them leave the building, right? So you kind of have yeah. to balance that. But yeah, I think that two, I, he's probably going to want that third year. So I think that would be enticing. So something right around there, I think would work. That That's where I'm at with it. And then the one, if you get him here, you're going to be able to free up some cap because you're going to have a lot of receivers. Someone's going right. to have to go. Parker and Bourne are the popular names. And I've seen a lot of people saying, oh, if you sign Hopkins, just get one of them out immediately, draft capital. I'm not really like – I'd keep them as long as possible throughout training camp because, right. look, Hopkins has had injury issues. He's 31. Parker has had injury issues. Tyquan Thornton in his one year has had injury issues. These things happen. I mean – we don't know where Juju and Thornton are right now. They're not even on the field. So I'm more keep these guys as long as possible. Then maybe a cut down day, maybe another team loses a receiver. You can trade one of these guys. I'd probably pick Parker. It's a little more money. The position, the X receiver is a little redundant. That'd be where I'm at, but I'm not pushing one of these guys out the door right away. If you do sign Hopkins. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think there's no rush to move on from either of them. You never know what's going to happen. And maybe you figure out a way to keep all of them. But they're probably going to want to open up cap on the other side of it. In Devontae Parker, you open up $6.2 million. There's no dead cap on that. That all comes right off the books. I don't see how he's going to play enough with Hopkins on the team to justify that contract. Frankly, he might ask out. He's a veteran in a contract year. He wants to be on the field. He wants to be able to earn his money. And do you want that in the locker room? The Patriots, like it would make all the sense in the world to move on from Devontae Parker. I know some people have said Kendrick Bourne. And eh, the team doesn't love him. But if it was to the point where they didn't want him on the team anymore, there were so many chances for them to move on from him last summer, this yeah. spring. Like it would have been done by now. So mm -hmm. I think Parker is the pretty obvious odd man out when you talk about if, if they're able to get Hopkins, but again, I, I still wouldn't do it until the end of camp just in case. Yeah. And by the way, you've got a young corner. You just invented like, this is not the main reason to do it, but it's something to consider. You've got a young corner. You just invested a lot in the more good wide receivers. You can throw at him in training camp to get him ready, the better. So mm -hmm. again, just another reason to keep Parker until you absolutely have to cut him. Yeah. And we've talked about the football fit a lot, right? He's going to come in here. He's going to be your number one guy. As we've been saying for what feels like years now, they have a bunch of quality twos and threes, but everyone's just a little, you know, high up on the pecking order than they should be. This drops people down in order. So 
I think it's just it's a now that they get him in here, I think you just have to do it. It's a perfect fit. It just he fits with your pieces. He's obviously had success with Bill O'Brien. I think it just makes all the sense in the world from football fit and everything else. Yeah, I again I, I said there's there is risk with Hopkins. He struggled to stay on the field with injuries. He has the PED suspension. He is 31. Like I get that. It, I'm not sitting here saying they signed DeAndre Hopkins and they win three Super Bowls in a row, but they've needed a coverage dictating wide receiver for years now, basically since Rob Gronkowski retired. Because as great as Julian Edelman was, slot receivers don't dictate coverage. They just don't. Not in that way. They've needed this kind of player for years. It is a make or break year for the franchise at the quarterback position. So you might as well give him the best chance possible to succeed. It is not often guys of this caliber become available. Forget you don't have to give up anything draft wise. I, again, I totally understand there's risks. Totally understand it. That's life. Very few decisions come without risk. When you weigh the positives and the negatives, you don't have to necessarily love everything about Hopkins, but you can't sit here and tell me the negatives outweigh the positives with this one. The upside they have, what are they really risking? If it doesn't work this year offensively, they have to hit the reset button anyway. So unless you think Hopkins somehow makes the offense worse, like the offense would be better off without Hopkins than with them, which... I don't see the argument there. Maybe he's not great. Maybe he's not worth the contract, but I don't see how that makes the offense worse, right? Unless you truly believe he makes the offense worse, which again, please show me your work. <laughs> they have the money. They don't have to give up any draft capital. It's a boom or bust year anyway. Where Where is where is the, the, the uh, uh, kill shot negative in all of this? Where is the 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 be all end all? They shouldn't do this because I just can't find it. And I'm usually somebody who's found it. I was sitting here last year saying, no, they don't need to go after Odell Beckham. They're not at that point in their roster building. It doesn't make sense. Two years ago, I was saying it with whoever the hell the wide receiver. I might have been Beckham again. I don't remember. It wasn't AJ Brown. I was in on always, AJ Brown, but like always Odell, <laughs> the equivalent like 30 year old injured former superstar receiver. Like I've been a no on that guy going back. Since, since oh, like the it, first time Odell Beckham was available. Was it, was it Julio Jones two years ago? Yes, yes, yeah, yes. I, I was out on Julio Jones. I was out on Odell Beckham. So this is not the guy. This is not the weapons guy. The guy's always about talking about weapons, just sitting here talking about a guy that was really good in Madden a couple of years ago. Because I think that's what you get a lot in this conversation. Uh, I did a show the other day on Bleacher Report where this guy kept asking about Jarvis Landry. No, Jarvis Landry doesn't make the Patriots better. He doesn't help them. He'd be a waste of money. The The risk totally outweighs the reward in pursuing him. No, I'm not the guy that, because I think people hear people pushing for Hopkins and they assume it's that guy talking to them. I could not be further from that guy. And by the way, I was out on Beckham earlier this offseason. I didn't want Beckham. Frankly, Hopkins should get more money than Beckham did. He won't because Beckham signed first and signed for too much. But Hopkins is a better option than Beckham was. They need to do this. They need to find a way to make this work. Whenever he's here, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whenever he's here next week, do not let him out of the building without a contract. Take give him and I the ground round doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately, where they took Rodney Harrison to sign him. And I'm realizing we forgot to give that backstory on catch 22 today. But 
Take him to the ground round equivalent, whatever it is. Take him to a good food store. Take him to Davio's. I know he likes Italian food. Take him to the North End, wherever it's got to be. Get him a nice meal. Give him a fat contract and say, what do we have to do so your next flight is home to pack to move up here? And it's not to Houston. And it's not to Cleveland. And it's not to Kansas City. It's not to Buffalo. Your next flight is going to be home to pack to fly right back here to get on the field for training camp. That is what they need to do. Are we going to get a DeAndre Hopkins at Logan Airport picture? A new one? <laughs> you know that. I hope, you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's about that time. <laughs> it's about that time for it. And, I mean, Julio Jones, the last old receiver who went to Tennessee, didn't work out great. So just remember that. Yeah. I know DeAndre Hopkins is listening. But one other thought I had on this was I wonder what Robert Kraft is looking at this and thinking because your team – you got you got a pulled primetime game last year. The ticket prices were down. If he's looking at this move, this is a guy who brings some juice back to the fan base, right? Brings Moves some energy. You, you got one of these guys that looks like in Christian Gonzalez, who the fan base is really happy about. But now, like, this is DeAndre Hopkins. This is going to put butts in seats. It's going to sell jerseys. This is a guy that I think Kraft might be kind of pushing for behind the scenes here. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. And I thought it was really interesting that the team doesn't always – all right, I got to – let me phrase this right. The Patriots media team, right, it was tweeted by the team, that report today, right? That And they don't – I don't want to say they don't always do it because they don't always meet with high-value high, high value players. But like that – it would be hard for them not to notice the buzz that the team account tweeting out that Hopkins is reportedly visiting – it'd be hard for them not to notice the buzz that created. And I think that's important because you hit on something there. They did have that primetime game moved last year. They're widely projected as fourth in the division. They need somebody to move the needle. And if nothing else, DeAndre Hopkins will move the needle if they sign him for, you know, maybe he's bad. It wears off in November and December, but even if he's not great early on, that moves the needle. Did they make a mistake? Blah, 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 whatever. There's going to be a ton of people taking victory laps on me, but <laughs> yeah, it, he, he absolutely moves the needle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think it's a slam dunk kind of no brainer, but we can transition this into OTAs today. It was the final day of OTAs Patriots. Seemed like kind of a lighter session. I'm guessing after their day off Wednesday, they went hard yesterday and they toned things back today. But it was the Marte Mapo show out there. He was flying around. He was back at safety. He had a interception off Bailey Zappi. Would have been a pick six, I believe. Then he had a really nice other play later in 11s where he kind of drove downhill from the secondary, broke up a pass, almost was another interception. So he just continues to impress, and he's still in the red non-contact jersey. We haven't even seen him, you know, because it's OTAs. We haven't even seen him get to run around and hit people. But everything we've seen from him so far just continues to impress. Yeah, and you you mentioned the, the no non-contact jersey. Look, the, the concern about him is his size. It's I'm not going to mince words. I think everybody pretty much knows that. But – so, so with that comes the concern about contact and that first fully padded practice. I don't know that I'm going to watch any other players. I might just watch Marte Mabu because if he has a good practice that day, 
I mean, the, the, the brakes are off. The hype train is out of control going a million miles <laughs> an hour, right? But I, it, it's, it's so far, he checks every box. And it, it's more than just what he's doing. His instincts are super impressive. His ability to, you know, trigger and get downhill, make a read trigger, get downhill is impressive. It, it honestly reminds me of Kyle Duggar at that point, and frankly, still. But it's how the team is using him. I didn't trust them to use him correctly. I thought they were going to try to turn him into like a downhill middle linebacker, put weight on, but they have him off the ball. They have him rushing the passer. They have him at box safety. They played him a little bit at free safety. Like he is everywhere and he doesn't look uncomfortable. Granted, it's like 75% speed, but there's not a lot of second guessing in his game. There's not a lot of looking over his shoulder. There's not a lot of uh, wasted movement. He seems to be pretty set on this is my assignment. This is how I have to execute it. This is how I'm going to execute it. He plays with a ton of confidence and to do that in as with as many, in it, look, it's one thing to do that. If you have one assignment, right? Cause it's not that hard to know or two for him to be as confident as he is in as many assignments as he's getting in a defense as complex as the Patriots. That's all exciting. That's all super exciting. Yeah, when the when the pads come on, that's going to be really, you know, the intensity kind of picks up. Watching him, that's going to – my binoculars right there probably, right yeah. there with you. That's going to be where it is. And joining him in that secondary, once again, Christian Gonzalez, back right into the mix, outside cornerback. Didn't, you know, again, OTAs, but it's still just that athleticism, those fluid movements. It's It's just awesome, awesome to see him out there too every day. Yeah, he he is. I keep using this phrase, but I think it's right. He is as advertised. Everything yeah. we said about him leading up to the draft, about how well he moves, how easily he moves, uh, the athleticism, all of it. Like you're seeing it at the combine, and it it doesn't always look the same in person. With Gonzalez, it looks the same in person. Mm -hmm. And we'll just knock off the rookies here, the big three rookies up front. Keon White also continues to impress and. They were down. Judon was still out today. Uche was out. Godshaw was out. Anthony Jennings. So bigger role for him. But he's just such a big dude. And his explosiveness has been kind of impressive too. And again, when the pads come on, he's going to be a guy, a guy to watch. Just that physicality up front, first step off the ball. He's looked good all around too. Yeah, again, with him, for me, it's it's mostly just the, the, how physically imposing he is. Mm. And and that's he's what I'm excited about. <laughs> he's a big dude, and it's all muscle. Like, I don't think he has any body fat on him at 285 pounds. So, yeah, we're going to be able to evaluate him much more once the pads come on. But I'll kind of go back to what I said with, with Mapu in that this is a team that is the last couple of years buried rookies especially non first round picks and based on what we've seen so far in OTAs, it's not like everybody's going to play hundred percent of the snaps, but it seems like Gonzalez was always going to play a lot. I think we knew that, but white and mop who seem like guys that are going to have at least sizable rotational roles. We talked about this on the last show, like 50, 60% yeah. usage rate, something like that. Right. If they get that at a minimum and those guys are playing well and playing up, you know, earning that time, they're going to be in really good shape. And we talked about Mapu's versatility. White's kind of doing the same thing. We've talked about it before, but, you know, hand in the dirt, up in a two-point stance. They even 
put him in coverage, I think. Yeah, I, I, I don't you know. <laughs> I don't love it as much with him. They've always done this. I actually so it's funny. My comp coming out for Keon White was Trey Flowers. And do you remember <laughs> like they used to on like third downs, they would drop Trey uh Trey Flowers in a coverage. Yeah, their best mm-hmm. pass rusher is the Matt Patricia defense coordinator era. I remember <laughs> this one game against the Steelers. This was prime Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell motioned out of the backfield and they had Trey Flowers covering him as a slot corner on like a key third down. I, anyway. They did they, it with they, Judon a few times. They do it with Judon. Like, I don't love it. I get they're going to do it. And yeah, you have to do it every once in a while to keep the, the offense off guard. I get it. But like, to me with Keon White, I just want to see him metaphorically punching offensive linemen in the face. I want to yeah. see him just, you talk about how explosive he is coming out of his stance. I want to see him popping out of that stance and just bull rushing whatever offensive lineman's across from him because he's so big and so strong. It's going to be a long day for whoever's on the other side. I, I I don't need to see him in coverage or whatever. I just want to beat the crap out of linemen and hopefully quarterbacks and running backs. That's all I really want to see him doing. And I don't know this, what that like second unit defensive line today. I don't know if you noticed, but Ronnie Perkins was out there a lot. And this is the guy that's, I feel like most people have forgotten about, but he had a few, and again, OTAs will always say, but his speed, he had a few, it looked like would be sacks. And this is a guy that was a top 100 pick. Now they have a lot of depth there. There might only be one roster spot and it could go to a guy like Demarcus Mitchell, who's playing, you know, special teams. But I don't know. They, Ronnie Perkins, third round pick could clearly play. I'm not holding out hope for him, but. I mean, is this a guy who maybe should be on our radar entering training camp? Because, you know, like last year, Anthony Jennings, no one was talking about him. And then he worked into a solid rotational piece. And I'm not saying Ronnie Perkins is going to like Josh Uche break out 10 and a half sacks, but maybe work on as a situational pass rusher. Yeah, I, I, I think on the radar is fair. The Jennings comp certainly makes a lot of sense. I still think he's on the outside looking in at the same time. I had Jennings on the outside looking in at this time last year and Josh Huche on the outside looking in the year before that. This seems to be how it goes with their edge rushers. I I He's going to have to beat out somebody. I'm trying to remember who uh, who did Jennings beat out last year. Oh, it was... um. The defensive end they signed from the Jets, Henry Anderson. Yeah. So who does he beat out? It's hard to say. It's, it's tough because it's a loaded and, kind and, of group down there. Right. And what Jennings did last year was impressive. It's not that easy to just yeah. go from off the roster to lock, but it can't hurt having a couple of good practices. It's where we knew with Jennings, they clearly recognized what Jennings was doing. I remember like the first training camp practice, that first defensive unit went out there and we were like oh hey look Anthony Jennings is lining up as the the strong side defensive you know outside linebacker so maybe maybe we were too quick to write this guy off like that's where it came from so let's see what happens when we get to camp did, did Ronnie Perkins do enough that we're gonna get out there and hey look it's the first team offense and it's Ronnie Perkins or is he does he still have a way to go that's what it's gonna come down to but yeah I, I think like you said top top 100 pick Still on his rookie deal. I don't think it's unfair to say he's a guy that should be on the radar. He's not, I don't know, what's the opposite of a roster lock? I guess a camp body. He's not a camp body. Yeah. He's not a guy that's just here because they need bodies to, to run drills in camp. He has a chance to make the team. He's just got a ways to go. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mm-hmm. So we'll transition to the offense. It was, you know, a lot of the same install stuff. My, you know, laying the foundation, things like that. My big thing was still a lot of use of pre-snap motion and motion yeah. in general. Even Gasicki a few times. So just doing that, I know you mentioned it either last show or the show before, the the setup plays, right? And yeah. That's what they seem to be really hammering home right now on the offensive side of the ball. Which is great. You mentioned Gasicki. I think it's interesting. His usage, I, I've talked about this before, that one of the most exciting battles in camp is going to be Kendrick Bourne versus Tyquan Thornton for that main Z receiver. Although mm-hmm. both play, but who's going to you know be more often? I almost feel like we should put Mike Gasicki in that conversation because he can do some of that stuff. Now he wins differently and all three of them win differently. So they're all three are going to play, but yeah, his usage has been very interesting. Uh, you know, I I'll, I'll throw it out there because I want to beat this narrative dead into the ground. There is no quarterback competition. It was <laughs> Bailey Zappi had one half of a walkthrough period early in practice with the ones besides that it was all Mac Jones. So I, I want to throw that out there again, but yeah, I mean, it looks you know, I just I, I just did a podcast with Bob Sosi. People can check out on 985thesportsub.com and we we're talking about it, you know, just kind of looking back on the three days and the, the two things that Bob said came to him, which I think are great points. It looked normal, which was Mac Jones word back on the first day of practice and professional, which was another word that came up. And I don't know that we should be doing jumping jacks over, um, you know, the word. What was the word I used? It was. um it's refreshing. It was refreshing, yeah. which I don't know that we should be doing jumping jacks over the offense, looking refreshingly normal in the spring, you know, on June 9th, but that's kind of where we are. That's kind of where last year brought us. So, so that's, you know, what we've gotten to. So who would be your leader in the club? If you're putting out a formation in that zero, considering you have Parker or say even Hopkins at the X, you have Henry out there. Where are you going in that? Zero, because I'd probably lean Taekwon just because what his skill set can bring, and you hope you can develop that top fifty pick. But his speed, opening things up, that's where yeah. I would go. But you know, with Gasicki, and they're all going to play, like you said. But what would your kind of preference be there? You think I want? Ideally, I wanted a, a three-way split because that's what it should have been last year. They should have been rotating all their receivers because that's the strength. They have such a diverse skill set, but. If I had to pick one, at least to start the season, I get it with Thornton and he's a top 50 pick and he has that speed and all that. And he should play a significant role, but I, Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne just work so well together. Yeah. And Kendrick Bourne really showed, I think another gear that most people didn't expect him to have in that 2021 season before he got benched last year. So I, as crazy as this sounds, because I, I can't think of a better word than ceiling. Because obviously Taekwon Thornton has a better ceiling as we like traditionally think about it. He's younger. He's got the speed, all of that. But I just feel like the potential 
if Mac Jones and Kendrick Bourne really get things going is significant. Whereas like Thornton can be good, but there's just some, there's that, at it thing that like indescribable thing about Mac and Bourne when they had it going at times in 2021, I go back to the Cleveland game. I go back to the Dallas game that like, give me some of that. Give me some more of that. That was, that was a lot of fun to watch. Or the, what was his big game last? Was that Cincinnati? home last year when he had the big Sit, game. uh yeah i think so and then even like the look at the miami game he the first game of the year he's benched we don't know what's going on he comes in cold late in the fourth quarter 46 yards down the sideline like that he was their leading receiver in that game he played two snaps get that guy going get that guy in a rhythm shouldn't be this hard but that and that's not to say i have anything against tycon i want him to play too i think his speed is absolutely an important factor but again just when Kendrick Bourne and Mac Jones get it going, there's something there. It works. It just yeah. it works. And um, I, people will say, well, maybe it's not sustainable. And this, I, I'd, I'd rather it be proven not sustainable because I keep it going until you can't anymore. Mm. Yeah, I'm I'm big on the KB train. I still, yeah. I think, and this is also sorry. This is also a good comment in the chat here from from Josh. It, the second part of this, I, Kendrick Bourne's route tree is more expansive than Tyquan Thornton's is. And I think that's a part of it. Kendrick Bourne's going to attack at all three levels. Maybe Tyquan's added that to his game. We're really not going to know until the pads come on this summer. But for the time being, with the information we have, give me the guy that can play at all three levels. Yeah. And he said, you know, deep stuff. That's where I feel where Tyquan can help. Because even you look at something to practice today. Yeah. They hit one. Was it complete or was it incomplete? The deep ball to Parker. And then I forget if that one fell incomplete or not. And then they hit like they try to seam to Henry, but other than that, it felt you know shorter, condensed. Where I feel like that's where Thornton can come in and you know open things up. Even though that's not really O'Brien's offense, he wants to attack the middle of the field. Like they had that sequence where they hit it was Parker on the dig, and then Henry on a nice seam, like middle of the field. That's where Mac Jones yeah. is good. That's where O'Brien likes to attack, but getting Thornton in there at times to open things up. I think that would do big things for their offense too. Yeah. So, I mean, anything else overall? Yeah, actually, I I got one more point on offense. All right. I don't know that it's going to ultimately matter, but (laughs) do you notice a couple of the depth receivers made some plays today? Raleigh Webb. (laughs) Raleigh Webb made a couple nice catches and the other guy. And I think he's like, if everybody else is going at like 65, 70%, he's probably going at 80, but like Edley's got a little, he's got a little, a little something, a little, a little, little something to his game. He's got that kind of Demario Douglas kind of just, he's quick, man. He's quick twitch. Yeah. And he made some nice catches today too. I, I don't know what I, it, it, I've seen very little of him. I've seen two OTA practices, but like he's got the talent to compete for a practice squad spot. He's not gonna make the roster, but you know, I, I don't think he's that far behind a guy like Trey Nixon, right? He might be, and he should be, because he's been playing the position his whole life. Looks better as a receiver than Malik Cunningham does. Now, obviously, Malik Cunningham brings other value to the table, but Ed Lee should compete for a practice squad spot on this team. I I truly believe that. Yeah, that's going to be an interesting battle, because you're going to have the two rookies, and now you have Malik Cunningham making that transition, and Ed Lee. And Rally Webb was making plays today. So they have a lot of, you know, that practice, 
what are they two three receivers on the practice squad depending how yeah. many they keep on the they usually keep five but maybe they keep six with the two rookies now on the 53 man roster but that's going to be a good competition yes as, and that's that's all before deandre hopkins too yeah another so. body into the mix what do you think speaking of that do you think what are the odds they because they usually keep five wide receivers not counting slater right where we are now do you think there's room for six with booty and douglas i had six on my last roster projection i've kind of started getting ahead on my next one which will be up after minicamp i still have them keeping six now Keishon Boutte was limited on tuesday in practice today we'll see what he looks like at minicamp he kind of makes a lot of sense as a foxborough flu guy yeah but they some of it, it, it it's it's going to be really weird this this year because some of it comes down to Mike Kosicki too. Do they see Mike Kosicki's a wide receiver? And now they're at seven receivers and one tight end. And then, you know, if they see Kosicki as a tight end, you can justify six receivers, whether it's the four veterans and the two rookies they have, or you, you take off Parker, Boutte, and you add DeAndre Hopkins. You can justify that in Henry and Kosicki as being your pass catching group. If Gasicki's a wide receiver. Not only are you now at seven wide receivers, you do need another tight end. And then we start talking about, uh, is it Anthony Ferkser as a backup to Hunter Henry? Is it Johnny Lumpkin as a blocker? Does Scotty Washington factor in? So it, it then it becomes a different conversation. It's going to be really interesting to see how they juggle that. that that's what it's going to come down to. But Taking everything at face value, Mike Kosicki's a tight end, DeAndre Hopkins isn't here, all of that. I do think that there is a way they carry six wide receivers. I do think that is very much a possibility. And the other one, frankly, to muddy it further, we see Ty Montgomery get wide receiver oh, around. Yeah. So where is he? Is he at receiver? Is he at running back? Do they I don't know how they make this work with the bodies? Somebody would this is probably a scenario where somebody gets hurt because they're not there's too many guys for them to make the cuts to get to this point, but I could see it where they look at it and they keep four wide receivers and say, we have Mike Kosicki and Ty Montgomery who can both play those spots. And we're going to keep four wide receivers and we're going to keep a couple on the practice squad if we need them, maybe one more than we usually do. Now, that's without names. They're not going to get down to four wide receivers because then you're cutting one of uh, Juju, Parker, Bourne, Thornton. Who am I missing? Juju Parker born Thornton. That's your top. No, those four would make it. Right. You'd be cutting either like Booty, Douglas, and then all the other. Rugby. So maybe, so maybe that's how it would be. Yeah, so maybe that's how, how it would work. Or right. veterans, and then say Gasicki and Montgomery can play wide receiver if we need them. Yeah. So they could keep anywhere from four to six. It, it really comes down to how they view Montgomery and how they view Gasicki. And I mean, I, I hope the rookies stay around. I like. I mean, I just love Booty's potential. I don't know if that's a guy that I want to let maybe walk, especially if he has a good summer. And then Douglas, I think, could do a lot of – give you that Marcus Jones package maybe day one and then, you know, ease him in as a rookie because, you know, you have Juju in the slot and you have the four veterans. So if he gives you that Marcus Jones package, it's a unique way to get him on the field and his skill set. So – I like all of them. I like the six, but that is going to be interesting to watch that unfold yeah. because we mentioned Gasicki and Montgomery is repping mainly with the with the receivers. You you did hit on 
something important there though that i i do want to see them try to keep douglas because i do think it's important that they have somebody to play the marcus jones role so they can run that package regularly without overusing marcus jones i also well unless you had anything else offensive and defense we did get our first kind of kicking competition today yep uh, Nick Folk was there for the first time in front of us. They, Him and Chad Ryland both did some kickoff work, and then at the end of practice, they alternated kicking field goals. Uh, I had Folk two of four. Ryland kicked three. I could only He went one of two on the first one. I couldn't tell from where I was. He hit the, the last one. He hit the last one. The 55-yarder, yeah. yeah. It is worth noting, though, so if you've ever been to training camp, you know this, the farthest goal post from like where the fans sit is narrow. narrow. I think it's yeah. like thirty-three percent. So they were yeah. kicking one of one of their misses each would have been good on a regular goalpost. Mm-hmm. So for whatever that's worth. Yep. So that was our first small look. Yeah. Folk was first up if you want to read into that. But as we've well, said I, uh, go for it. No, I, I think it's interesting that Folk was getting kickoff work kickoff, because yeah. last year when he started to struggle at the end of the season with kicking field goals, a lot of people pointed to, well, he's now also doing kickoffs and is that the wear and tear? So I figured even if we made the team, it would be Behringer who wasn't there today or Corliss Waitman handling kickoffs. We didn't see Waitman take any kickoffs today. He was there. It was just Folk and, and, um, Ryland. He didn't even punt at all either. Right. They didn't do, they didn't do, they didn't do any, well, they did, they did mostly punting the first two days we were there. No. And who knows what they're doing behind the scenes, I guess. But, um, for yeah, they, they hadn't done a lot of kickoff stuff in the open practices. Mm-hmm. So I believe that's all I got. Anything you know? Wrap it all up that you got? Any? I want to throw in a quick Boston Sports minute here because okay. Chris Sale got moved to the sixty-day <laughs> IL. He's got some thing with his shoulder. He doesn't need surgery, but he can't pitch for a month. What a last few days by the Boston Red Sox. Oh yeah, banner banner couple days for the local ball club. They they totally seem in control and know what they're doing. It's excellent. Um I wasn't even going to get into that cuz it's just frankly too frustrating yeah. and it's there's certain things mm-hmm. that that were done that just frankly don't deserve attention. But I I will say when it comes to sale, if and when he comes back and they'll probably be long out of it at that point, but you still got next year and however many more years he's on this Fakakta extension, <laughs> put him in the bullpen. He can't start. He doesn't have the physical durability to throw five, six, seven innings every five days. Even if he's good when he does it, use him in an Andrew Miller role, two or three innings every three days. That is how you're going to maximize him. He cannot start. He is broken. And this shouldn't come as a surprise. I don't know how many people realize this. When Chris Sale came up with the White Sox, he was a closer because he had that funky delivery and he threw really hard and everybody kind of knew, hey, he doesn't have the durability to start, So, but he's filthy, so we're going to stick him in the pen. And then, like two or three years in, the White Sox, kind of like the Red Sox do now, they really needed a starter. They had a bad run of starting pitching. And instead of calling up a guy who washed out in the Japanese league, among many reasons he should have been disqualified for making that start, they said, you know what, Chris Sale, just start a couple games. Start a couple games. You're a starter in college. We'll see what happens. And he was too good for them to move him back to the bullpen. But I think the plan in Chicago always was, and we've seen this happen with guys. John Schmoltz is a great example. I think the plan was eventually, if he'd stayed in Chicago, for him to go back to the bullpen. 
It's what the plan should have been. We're at that point. He's not a starter. He can't do it. I don't care how good he is in the windows where he does it. I'd rather see him for 100 innings out of the bullpen than 50 innings all combined into like a month and a half before he goes on the IL pitching out of the rotation. So I had to get that off my chest. It sucks he's hurt. He was pitching well. I feel for the guy. He's worked his ass off to get back here. But he's not a starting pitcher anymore. He's just not. He doesn't have the durability to do it. Put him in the bullpen, which they need pitching in the bullpen too. And yeah, it sucks. You don't have enough starters. You could have fixed that by signing actual starting pitching instead of these, you know, internationally washouts and guys like James Paxson, who when you signed him, his elbow didn't work. Go sign real pitching with functioning elbows and shortstops with functioning needs. So you don't have to put Kike Hernandez over there. It's just turning into a bigger thing. But like, holy crap, just sign baseball players. You can actually physically play the game. and You don't have to run into problems like this. Their pitching staff, it's kind of like the Patriots wide receiver room. Because I remember they went into this offseason and they were like, we're going to get, they were counting on sale being the one, but they're like, we're going to get a few really strong two guys so then everyone else bumps down into the roles they should be. And then we just ended up with Corey Kluber, who is washed. Well, let's hope not, because I, the difference to me is, I think a lot, and it's true, all the Patriots receivers are real number twos. But are, are probably number twos, but they're they're number twos. Like, yeah. right? They they should be able to be a solid number two receiver. Corey Kluver's not a number two starter. Corey Kluver's not a number five starter. If we're going to compare it to the Patriots receivers, Brian, I thought you were going in another direction. This is like the 2020 Patriots yeah. wide receiver room. We have Nikhil um, Harry and Dante um, Moncrief and Quincy Adebanyeho. And who else is in that room? Marquise Lee. They're trying to make Marquise Lee work. There's Corey Kluber is Marquise Lee. It's unacceptable. Talent-wise, but just like guys above so, their okay. role almost. They, and, thought, they thought they were getting the 2022 Patriots wide receiver room. They yeah. got the 2020 <laughs> Patriots wide receiver room. Yeah. But I remember, I mean, yeah, you feel for Chris Sale, but I remember like we were at Gillette last year. And you were like, you can't count on him for anything. Anything you get out of him is bonus. And what did they get? 10 starts? How many? 10, 15, 12 starts? I think it was 12. Did he even? Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. That's, this seems, if, I mean, it was going downhill already, but this, unless Adam Duvall, MVP Adam Duvall is back. Right. (laughs) He was hitting 400 before he got hurt, so we'll see. But the way their luck's going this year, Brian, you really think he's going to come back and keep hitting uh, that way? No, they're um, they're going to have to win every game like nine seven or something like that. Yeah, unbelievable. All right, I just I I, I had to bring that up real quick. All right, well <laughs> that'll do it from us. That'll do it from OTAs. Patriots will be back next week, Monday through Wednesday, for mandatory mini camp. Media will be there all three days, so we will have shows coming at you. Uh, turn on your Patriots Press Pass notifications to know when we are going going live. But until then, if you need some reading over the weekend, follow Alex on Twitter at RealAlexBarth. Read all of his stuff at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines. Read all my stuff at patspulpit.com. Thank you all for watching and have a wonderful weekend.